You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Just like when Max Scherzer had trouble with his fastball command. Yeah, he figured that one out. Breaking ball high in the air. See you later. Bryce Harper, a towering drive, 10th of the year, and the Nationals lead 12-2. to two. I just didn't think he'd figure it out that quick. <laughs> MVP knows what he's doing, folks. Don't panic. We're not. And a high fly ball to left center field. It is deep. And it is gone. Justin Smoke ties the game here in the bottom of the ninth. Now he drills one to deep left field. And that's a game winner. Justin Smoke homers to tie it in the ninth. And win it in the 10. Running again. Kane, left center field. Taylor on the run. Game over. Three in the bottom of the ninth inning. Lorenzo Kane is going to be dogpiled in shallow center field as the Royals walk off and win it 7 6. Welcome to the April 7th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. And some big news as two nice gentlemen are finally joining us back in studio. Mike Nellis is now off the 30-day DL and Corey Mess is off the 7-day DL. How are you guys doing? Why was mine the 30-day DL? Because you've been gone for like 20 days. No, I haven't. I, I was gone for a week. Two shows. Okay, two shows. 15-day <laughs> DL. Yeah, we had you on the... Day to day, and then the seven day, and then last week we put you on the fifteen day, and now Corey's back. Uh, so I, he, uh, yeah. he, it was a tough loss. Yeah, no, I, I just needed a, a rest day. I'd been going, uh, <laughs> I had been going a lot. I'd been putting a lot of innings, so I just needed a, a rest day. It was fine. Yeah, and uh, maybe some some big stories coming out of the MLB. Let's start things off with some of the biggest stories coming out of baseball uh, before we get into our big interviews with the champ. Actually, let's tee up the show for you guys. Uh, we got Kenny Bryant coming on in our next segment. Then Billy Horn's going to join us, and then. Sportsnet Shy Davidi will come on to talk a little Blue Jays baseball in our fourth segment, and then we're going to wrap things up with some Champions Talk in our final segment. Can, and yeah, Mike, yeah, well, can, can we just can we just reiterate that Sportsnet Shy Davidi is coming on this show? Oh, that's pretty cool. How cool is that? Like, it's unbelievable. But anyway, yeah, it's, he's uh, a, he's gonna he's gonna be a great interview, and uh, yeah, just be, like all your big gets. Well, Mikey, 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 listen. Yeah. Credit to Craig Rick, uh, Rick Craig Richenbach. Craig for, Richenbach. You know, Dan Mellon always screws me up with that. He always tells me that uh, it's Rickenbach, but it's really Richenbach. No, but you know not, what? Yeah. Richenbach's been a guest on our show before. He's done a great job, and I appreciate oh. him uh, helping us with our guests. He's been a big help. Uh, he'll be uh, friend of the show. Hashtag friend of the show. Hashtag friend of the show, Craig Richenbach. <laughs> um, so some uh, one of the biggest stories coming out as with a month of MLB baseball behind us. Trevor Story gets the NL Rookie of the Month. No question about it as he leads the league in home runs. Corey, uh, the story, actually, no, that's too cliche. It's been a big surprise of what Trevor Story's been able to do. Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, he's second in the league in home runs, by the way, to his teammate, Nolan Arenado. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, once again, we're seeing this this big power surge in Colorado and maybe in guys 
who, who weren't totally expected to be the power surge guys for them. Um, so it's it's kind of cool. Uh, but what an unbelievable month for um, uh, uh, for for Trevor Story. He just kept putting up numbers and numbers. You'd look every day. He had just hit another home run. Uh, an incredible story and for a rookie to um, uh, to kind of acclimate himself this quickly is uh, is very interesting. What a story this has been. Oh, my God. This is killing me. <laughs> I was trying to see how many times I could get it in. <laughs> oh, my. All um, right. So- no, 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 no. But, like, um, no, seriously. Uh, it w- I was watching a Rockies game a little while ago. Yeah. And, you know, the broadcasters, like, Trevor Story was at the plate. Everybody was, you know, kind of thinking, oh, like, oh, like, they were jokingly saying, oh, maybe he's going to hit a home run. And then next pitch, boom, home run. And it's just like, who is this guy? Speaking, like, how are you? Like, <laughs> Speaking of Trevor Story, about a it's month. unbelievable. About a month ago, I was at the uh, – Carlos Verde's fantasy draft over at the uh, the Carleton University bar. Ollie's. Ollie's bar. There we go. I actually My favorite got, place. I actually got lost going there. And Carlos walks up and he says, is anybody going to tra- take Trevor's story? And we're all like, no, Jose Reyes is going to be there. And you know what? Here's a funny story. The Rockies have actually paid Jose Reyes over $5 million to this point to not play for them. That's crazy. Yeah. And... It, it, you know what? You could you can go through all these these different scenarios. I've always been the guy that kind of says, like you know, people will people will go ahead and 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 look back on contracts that have previously been signed and previously been done. And unless there's a very imminent threat and a team is taking a risk, I don't buy this whole oh let's let's um, you know let let let's. Um, Let's knock down the general manager just for for, for, for signing this contract in the first place. Um, because at the time, it seems like, okay. And yep. then three months later, nope. You know, it, well, and, and it, it just, yeah, sure, you uh, look back on it and it sucks, but like, what can you do? Speaking <laughs> of bad contracts, um, early trade rumors as— Great uh, segue. I, well— Speaking of really, actually speaking of uh, bad contracts, there are some trade rumors, tr- trade rumors going around the Milwaukee Brewers as uh, Brewers as uh, some reports have been saying that Ryan Broad might be making his way to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Those obviously this is just speculation here, uh, but Braun is in his first year of a five-year, hundred and five million dollar contract, so it probably cost a lot in order to take Braun from the Milwaukee Brewers uh, to Arizona, but it does really make sense, Corey, to pick him up because they uh, they really do need some offensive help. Well, and, and I think it just shows how much Arizona is scrambling after signing um, uh, signing Zach Grinke over the summer. I think they were really one of the teams coming into the year. It's almost like the Blue Jays a couple of years ago where they make all these big moves and people are very high on them, and then the year starts, and you know, there are these glaring weaknesses, and, and for them, they just don't have the bats. No one is really giving any support to Paul Goldschmidt there. A.J. Pollock has taken a bit of a step back this year, and so, um, uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, they, they need some bats there. I don't think it's going to happen, at least not for, for another couple months. It's still way too early, especially like you mentioned, the first year of a contract for Ryan Braun. I can't see them trading him right now, but I just think it shows how desperate the Diamondbacks are to turn things around here already. Yeah, and he's it's a big investment to to be to to not be as as to, to be as bad as they have at the beginning of it, the year. It is, and you know what's weird about that? We've seen the Miami Marlins do that, the Toronto Blue Jays, the San Diego Padres recently last year with trading for Craig Krimble, Matt Kemp, Justin Upton. It has never worked. Mike, can you recall the last time that just acquiring all these big guys has worked? The Nationals tried it last year. It didn't work. So far, 
from what I remember in the last decade, just signing all the best players in free agency hasn't worked. Yeah, ask the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, is is, is the big thing. A lot and, of teams now. Well, and that's it, right? I think the the biggest or the biggest chance of that, and and maybe not signing free agents. I think the Cubs have have kind of well, that's from, different. Yeah, they, they've built from within. They've signed to supplement what they've built, uh, and build themselves into a bit of a contender. I'd call them different, but uh, the hype surrounding the Chicago Cubs coming into this year is they've lived up to it. Similar to the hype that is surrounding a team that goes out and signs all these free agents like you'd see from the Blue Jays two, three years ago and and they crashed and burned. The Marlins did the same thing, right? These the guys, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it, basically, yeah. And and, and and these guys have lived up to the hype in Chicago so far. It's early, you know, and and even the Jays right now, you could say, oh, well, the Jays are bad. Who knows how they're going to be in a month from now, right? So it's... Um, uh, it's an interesting scenario, I think, uh, where you really just can't use stat lines and use the books to um, uh, to, uh, to to justify why you're trying to uh, make your team better. You've got to try to create some kind of gel in the clubhouse, and that's how you make a team better. Look at the Jays last year. What did they have? They had they had bonded into a good team and you know numbers are one thing baseball is a game of numbers you can't analyze baseball without numbers but there always is going to be a little bit more than that well and and you talk about the cubs and for them it's mostly building within but you look at the moves they have made um and john lester was a a big marquee signing for them but a guy like jason hayward wasn't the best free agent available last year but he's a guy who fills a very specific need for their lineup gives them an everyday outfielder Um, But it also gives them a guy to bat second in their lineup, which they needed desperately. A big on-base guy. Left-handed, too. Exactly. And so um, they're very smart about the moves they've made. It fills a very specific need. And and yes, John Lester was was the best pitching signing last year when he went to them. But I do think... um, I, I do think... You know, certain teams just do it right. Certain teams, you could tell their owner kind of wants to win now. He's willing to spend the money, but they don't really have the um, the structure in place to bring in proper guys for the system, and they just bring in these huge marquee signings, and it doesn't always work. Absolutely, and that's going to wrap up our first segment. Coming up next, Kenny Bryant is going to join us, first baseman for the Ottawa Champions, to talk a little bit about his offseason and uh, the whole preparation for the season. Then once again, Billy Horn, the pitching coach for the Ottawa Champions, will join us to talk about all their acquisitions from the starting pitching standpoint as well as the bullpen. And then, of course, our biggest name of the show, Shai Davidi, is going to come on to talk a little baseball as well as some Blue Jays. That's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Today is the first day that Sambat is actually our official sponsors of Around the Diamond, so I'm very happy about that. Also joined here in studio with Corey Mess and Mike Nellis. Let's get to the hotlines here. Brought to you by the world's original Maple Back Corporation. That's Sambat, located in Carleton Place. And bring on Mr. Kenny Bryant from the Ottawa Champions. How are you doing today? I'm good, guys. How are you? I am doing very well. And, and Kenny, just to start off, I have to ask you, how has your off-season been in preparing uh, for the 2016 Can-Am League season? 
Uh, it's been good, man. It's been working. I've been uh, giving lessons and, you know, working out stuff in shape. Looking forward to it. Kenny, uh, first question, uh, you're coming into Ottawa now, so this is a new team. Last year was your first year with the uh, the Can-Am League in Sussex County. What was your experience like in uh, your first season in the Can-Am League? Was it any different from your time in the Frontier League before that? Yeah, it's definitely different because, you know, Frontier League, there's, uh, I think, like 12 to 14 teams. Uh, so, you know, you're playing a lot of guys a lot more uh, more often. So, you know, you get to know pitchers and like scouting reports a little bit different, you know, a lot more about different guys. So it's definitely more competitive. Yeah. And, and what's it like in the Can-Am League? Because with so many less teams, like you must have to face the same guys all the time. So you must get, especially when you're uh, yeah. facing certain pitchers, you must get a get a kind of feel for that. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I think when you face a lot of guys, you know what they have, you know, and so you got to make you have to make adjustments and it's, just, it's a lot more fun when get a lot more information yeah and also another thing to talk about here is you uh, you when you played in Sussex County last year you, you you stole 10 bases and you hit 10 home runs and especially in this league it's always uh, tough to do that maybe uh, talk about your season last year and, and your speed and maybe a little bit of power there yeah I always, I always try to read the picture you know and if, if I can get a good jump I can I try to take it um, you know I got pretty average speed for, for a first baseman so I try to take advantage of it when guys are sleeping <laughs> do what I can and, and is it really about that? It's just about kind of reading reading the play properly and, and, and picking your spots on the base paths? Because, you know, you mentioned, your, uh, you mentioned yourself you've got average speed. You're a big man, 225 pounds listed on the Ottawa Champions website, but you still manage 10 stolen bases, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all about reading the pitcher. Um, I don't think a lot of guys can steal off catchers anymore at this level because uh, everybody's got a pretty good arm. So uh, it's all about reading the picture and the defense and the situation, just making the right call. Now, uh, Kenny, um, talk about your your career. Uh, you spent three years at, at Presbyterian College in the Big South Conference. Uh, um, had some had some big years there. Hit over three hundred in your junior season there. Talk about uh, um, the the biggest thing you you learned in in your college career before coming to, to independent baseball. Biggest thing I learned was the work ethic, that uh, the work that you have to put in, you know, to, to get yourself ready every day to come out and play the game. Um, I think we had pretty good trainers. We had a good uh, strength and conditioning coach who got us in shape in the offseason and stuff like that. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned because in high school, you know, I never worked out and I just tried to just went out there and played, you know, and at this level, you can't, you can't really do that. Yeah, for sure. And Kenny, I have to ask you here. Um, it says here that you can play the outfield. You can also play a little bit of first base, especially being left-handed. Uh, you can maybe go around the outfield, play a little left field this season. I have to ask you, um, what's your b- preparation been incoming, uh, especially playing in Ottawa, uh, knowing that you might be moved around a little bit? Uh, definitely just working on my footwork, you know, working on speed and agility, you know, because last year I did play outfield for like 10, 15 games, and uh, I'm always ready to play Kenny, uh, I just wanted to uh, shift now to talk, and you know we kind of are talking about Ottawa and and you know your your upcoming season. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention was the manager and Hal Lanier is a, uh, a a guy with a very decorated baseball history. He's been to the World Series as a player, as a coach, and as a manager. What's it like uh, to play for a guy like Hal? Well, I've heard nothing but good things about Hal, and uh, mm-hmm. we we've talked a little bit in all season. He's pretty much the main reason I'm coming, man. So. And I just as a, a quick follow up to that, I guess is there anything in particular that you're excited about 
about coming to Ottawa, uh, not just with um, uh, uh, the coaching staff and, and the manager, Hal, but, um, you know, y- you made the decision to come back to Ottawa. What was the primary factor in that? Um, or I-, I guess you mentioned that the primary factor in that was Hal, but were there any secondary factors is what I'm saying? Uh, I think just Hal and the uh, the organization as a whole, like the upper upper tier of the organization, like Ben Hodge and, and everybody, I think they're just good people people I like to play for. Now, uh, Kenny Bryant, the pride of uh, of Goose Creek High School in in, uh, in South Carolina. Are, are you um, kind of coming into this season, you played a little bit in the building in Ottawa last year. It was a building that, uh, you know, Ottawa brought in some good power hitters last year, but it, it's it's got a, it, it, the dimensions of the field are, are pretty big. Um, th- there wasn't a whole lot of power. So do you find yourself kind of maybe approaching this year a, a little different? Are you going to maybe try and uh, um, be a bit more of a contact hitter? Try and, uh, I mean, try and hit a little more doubles, things like that? Or or are you going to try and, and push it and see if you, you can be uh, kind of the first big power hitter in this building? Well, uh, I think I'll probably take the same approach. I'm usually a big doubles I've been a big doubles, triples guy my whole career. Okay. And uh, last year I hit 10 for, for the first time. So I think I'm going to take the same approach because Sussex County, man, that's the graveyard too. So I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of used to the graveyard. So I'm, I think I'll take the same approach. Yeah, for sure, and that's Kenny Bryant joining us here on Around the Diamond from the Ottawa Champions. He's going to be playing first base this season. And Kenny, uh, growing up playing baseball, growing up playing high school, uh, what position did you mainly play? Were you always uh, first base, or did you pitch a little bit and maybe play a little center field? Yeah, well, in high school, I, I did pretty much everything. I pitched, played first base, I played center field. Um, I played center field most of the time. So that's why I think that's why I like outfield a little bit more, like the run around and and stuff, and make plays and everything. But yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely a, a better first baseman for sure. But I, I definitely love outfield as well. Been working on that. And kind of going into the season, what are, I mean, we get the from from every guy, their goal is you know you just want the team to win. But personally, do you have any any kind of personal goals going into this season? Anything you kind of want to challenge yourself to do this year? Uh, I think I want to try to be a better leader um i know I've, I've been on teams where you know guys there's no leader you know and guys just do their own thing and there's no like team camaraderie and stuff like that so i just want to try to be a better leader where I'm, whether i'm playing well or not playing well i want to pick up the younger guys and you know just try to keep the team together Yep, and uh, that pretty much wraps it up here on around the diamond thank you so much kenny for joining us uh mike myself mike and Corey. we got a, a good group of guys here and we look forward to seeing him maybe about a week all right, sounds good, guys. Yeah, training camp starts uh, next week, Kenny. It'll be, uh, it'll be good to have you here. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. That was Ottawa Champions first baseman Kenny Bright. We thank him so much for coming on the show. Also, once again, joined here with Mike Nellis and Mr. Corey Mess. Coming up next, Billy Horn, the pitching coach for the Ottawa Champions, is going to join us. Going to be a good talk, Mike. Oh, I love Billy. He's one of my favorite guys uh, around the Ottawa Champions. Always seems to be in a good mood around the ballpark, does Billy Horn, and um, he was one of the big reasons that the champions pitching staff was as good as it was last year. We talked a lot about his role uh, in developing Wilmer Font from a relief pitcher in an affiliated system back to a starter's role in the Indy Leagues. He struggled early on in the year and with you know the work of Billy Horn eventually turned things around and turned into the most consistent starter in the Can-Am League at the end of the season. So uh, Billy was uh, was instrumental last year, and it's great to see him back this year. 
Absolutely, Mike. It's going to be a real pleasure to bring on Mr. Billy Horn. He's going to talk about exactly what he's been working on with some of the pitchers. I know Corey and I talked to Calvin Rayburn a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how Billy and him have kind of gone back and forth, as well as Leighton Galbraith, Austin Crisman. We're going to touch on that next, or in our next segment. That's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Once again, joined here in studio with Mr. Corey Mess and Mike Nellis. It's time to get to the phone lines here. Brought to you by Sambat, the or the world's original Maple Bat Corporation, and bring on Ottawa Champions pitching coach, Billy Horn. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure, and it's been a real pleasure. We've always wanted to talk to you as Hal Lanier has came on multiple times and other uh, other pitchers on your, on your staff talking and saying great things about you, how you've helped them so much, and how uh, how you know talks to you about which pitchers to kind of go through. So it's definitely been a, a tough offseason. Maybe can you talk about the offseason that you've had in uh, finding uh, such a good starting pitching staff and so so much competition coming into camp. Oh yeah, we had a we had a pretty good off season. Um, personally, I've I've been to Arizona and I was in New Mexico and Mexico and Puerto Rico and California, out looking for players all over the place. And uh, you know, constantly being in touch with Hal and Nick and you know going through and 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 calling players and just uh, you know doing what we can to get the best you know possible product and put it on the field. Now, one of the other things you did uh, this winter, Billy, was you were in the Arizona Winter League as a coach there, um, and uh, you spent a lot of your time there. The champions were tweeting about it uh, quite a bit over the off season. Uh, what was your experience like down in Arizona? Oh, it was good out in Arizona. There were a lot of good players out there. There were probably about 100 players out there, and it was fun. I got to meet a bunch of managers from a bunch of different leagues and meet players from not only the United States, but also from, from all over the globe. They had players from Japan and Germany and Mexico and, and all over the place. It was, it was pretty neat to, to, to look at talent, uh, you know, in, in the wintertime when you guys are just buried in snow all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, uh, the weather must have been, been beautiful, Billy, and you're being pretty humble. You were the, named the instructor of the year at, uh, at that Arizona Winter League. So when, when you're down there, what are you trying to, to bring to guys? What are you trying to help them out with? Uh, basically, my, I think at this level, most pitchers pretty much have what it takes on the physical level and the mechanical side, but it's, it's more the mental side. It's, it's dealing with you know, pitching, it's dealing with sequences, it's, you know, go pitch by pitch, inning by inning, or, you know, dealing with how to prepare yourself for your next start or your next relief appearance, uh, or how to take care of yourself in the gym with nutrition and things of that nature. And that's the stuff that I really like and enjoy is working with the guys um, every single day, you know, and especially with the champions, you know, we go out every day, the pitchers, we go out at three o'clock. And to me, that's the most important time of the day, because that's when I'm out there with the pitchers, especially the relievers. And then, okay, I know this guy's available, this guy's up, this guy's down, or whatever the case may be, and, and just see where these guys are mentally more than anything. Because physically, you know, most guys pretty much have it by, by, by this point in their careers. Now it's making those small mental adjustments that's going to catapult them to the next level. Yeah, that's uh, Ottawa Champions 
pitching coach Billy Horn joining us here on Around the Diamond. It's always nice to keep that personal note uh, with the players, knowing how they're feeling ment- mentally and physically in in game and out game. And of course, I. I Two pitchers. You mentioned that you did go to Puerto Rico and some of those other countries out that way, and you brought in two lefties in Luis Para and John Carlos Gill. We uh, we've talked about them quite a bit on the show. They apparently they throw pretty hard. Maybe can you talk about uh, what you like in, in both those pitchers in bringing them to Ottawa, especially uh, with so much talent there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to start out with Gill, uh, Gill's a guy who's got some experience under his belt, but he's only 24 years old. Um, He's got a lot of innings under his belt. You'll see a lot of strikeouts. But what I really like about Gill is that he doesn't really walk many guys. Okay. So he's going to be a guy that's going to really bring in, um, you know, some really good experience. And at the same time, he, you know, we're going to rely on him to really shut down some innings and, and, uh, and, and you know, try to leave the stats. You know. And then when you look at, uh, when you look at Para, you know, uh, another lefty who, again, also has uh, a little bit of experience under his belt. And um, another guy, he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really walk many guys. You know, you'll see a lot of strikeouts and, and guys that are, you know, they just pound the zone and, and they work quick and they work fast with their catchers. And, you know, it's going to keep our defense on, the toe, on their toes. And I, and I think we're going to have, a, you know, a, a pretty good pitching staff this year, which I'm really excited about. Before the break, Billy, I was talking about uh, your work with Wilmer Font last year. And we've got a couple returning pitchers, two returning starters to the champions rotation this year in Wilmer Font and Leighton Galbraith. Font became one of the most consistent pitchers in the Can-Am League by the end of the season last year. Um, What did you do uh, to help him get there? Because I remember at the beginning of the year, uh, he did have a bit of a rough start. I think he went 0-4 to start the year. Now, of course, it's wins and losses, which really doesn't mean much. But in the end, it is a mental block. And um, Wilmer was uh, was really starting to pick it up toward the end of the season. So what did you do uh, to help him along during the year in 2015? Well, Wilmer's a veteran guy, and, and he's a smart pitcher, and he really knows how to make his adjustments. And Well, there was one point in the season where after Wilmer and I had gotten comfortable with each other after a couple of starts, uh, he'd always been a reliever, and we asked him to be a starter. So he'd always throw uh, – he started throwing from the windup, and he didn't feel very comfortable. So, you know, I worked with him at a side session one day, and we, we put him back in the uh, in the stretch position and worked out a few mechanical kinks. And then, you know, ever since that, he, he did all the work. You know, he's the guy that deserves all the credit. And uh, we noticed his velocity started going up, and more importantly, his, his location had gotten much better, you know, as the season gone along, and he was right up there in the – the top one of the top pitchers in the league I think he had 10 or 11 wins last year and you know we're going to be looking to anchor have him anchor our our staff this year and be our number one guy right out of the gate and you know lead our our staff by experience and also you know by his by his leadership on and on on the field and also in the clubhouse he's a great guy love him absolutely love him now um uh, Billy uh, Mike mentioned a few of the guys coming back Tyler Wilson I think is a big re-signing for this team he was uh, just dynamite from the the pen last year and especially with with Alan Durat uh, um, uh, retiring over the offseason the closer spot is going to be a big position to fill for the Ottawa champions do you see Tyler Wilson as being a guy who who might be able to fill that spot who might have the stuff to be the closer for this team Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, coming into the coming into spring training, I don't think it's any secret that we're going to, you know, that Tyler's going to be the forefront candidate to, you know, nail down that closer role. And like you said, with Allen last year, Allen had 24 saves last year and he, 
he, he led the league in saves. And, I mean, to nail down 24, 24 games for us and only a 96-game uh, schedule, I mean, that was fantastic. And, 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 and uh, what I really like about Tyler is not only, I mean, he throws the ball very well, but if you look at his numbers, just like Alan Durrett, he really doesn't walk many guys. And that's very, very big and very important uh, for, for any pitching staff, any level, whether it's high school, college, or professional. And, um, you know, you look at a guy like Wilson and his, his makeup and his body of work. I mean, the kid lives in the gym. He eats very healthy. And he lives and breathes and, and, and dies by the game of baseball. And, you know, I'm really, really excited that we were able to bring him back. And not only with bringing players back, but also some big adds to the pitching staff um, this year. Now, we talked about a couple of them, a couple of guys coming in uh, from outside of the United States. One of the guys from the U.S. who was playing in affiliated baseball last year with the Houston Astros was Austin Crispin. And uh, he comes in um, after he was pretty much a starter last year in Lancaster of the California League that's high A, and uh, put up some pretty respectable numbers. He now comes into Ottawa and uh, seems like one of the biggest ads for the pitching staff this year. Oh, yeah. Austin's coming on in, and he's going to get an opportunity to start right out of the gate. And, um, yeah. you know, he's another guy where, he, I mean, you look at his numbers, he's got over 220 career innings, and he only has, I think, probably less than 50 walks. I mean, the guy doesn't walk anybody. He's a bulldog. Um, you know, he works his tail off, you know, in the gym, uh, you know, in between starts. And he's also a great kid, a really great kid, you know, both, uh, you know, on the diamond and, and in the clubhouse and, and in the community as well. And, um, you know, we really look forward to him, um, you know, just coming in and, and doing his thing like we, like we do with all of our guys. You know, I think, I think this year when you look at our pitching staff, well, if you look at our pitching staff from last year, we had guys with, maybe more experience at higher levels, but I think we're younger this year. And I think we have a whole well-rounded staff of guys that all have very good experience uh, in organized baseball and guys that are going to definitely be able to come in and contribute, you know, right, right off the jump. Yeah. That's Billy Horn joining us here on around the diamond. You just spoke about experience and another one of those guys that you are bringing in is Randy Hemrick, who uh, played in the American association last year with Amarillo also played in the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, system. We talked to Hal Lanier a couple weeks ago. He said that he's going to get a, a good chance to start. Uh, maybe can you talk about the acquisition of Randy Hamrick? Yeah, uh, Randy's a guy that, you know, again, just through hard work, through Hal, Nick, and myself throughout the offseason, uh, we were able to, to, to sign Hamrick and, and bring him in, and he's a young guy. Uh, well, when he was younger, he, you know, he made it all the way up to AAA, uh, you know, when he was 24. And, um, you know, he, he's a guy that's looking to really come on in and, uh, and log a lot of innings and, and just do whatever he can. And, you know, it's no secret. The way, the way Hal and I run the ball club, our main goal is to get these guys back with organizations and, and have them, you know, move on up. So, you know, Randy's another example of a guy who, you know, he's been knocking it around in the independent league the last couple of years, um, you know, after an injury and, you know, he's 100% fully healthy, raring, and ready to go. And, I mean, he's another guy. I mean, you look at his numbers, he doesn't have many walks. And, uh, you know, he throws pretty well. He strikes a lot of guys out. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to work. I'm looking forward to getting him in and, um, you know, working with him. And, uh, you know, he, and he's a Florida guy, too. So he lives about two hours north of me. So we're looking to represent the Sunshine State pretty well. <laughs> It's funny you say that, Billy, because we spoke to Brian Van Kirk last week, and he says that the Florida boys are going to tear shit, or 
sorry, or tear things up. Sorry, I was just quoting on what he said. <laughs> oh. That sounds like a that, that sounds like a, a Florida quote right there. <laughs> yeah. But nobody heard that on the air. You know? No, no, it's it, yeah. it, we're off, Mike. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, anyway, so I wanna I wanna change gears to another pitcher that you acquired out of the Philadelphia Phillies system. That is Calvin Rayford. He's six foot eight, and uh, myself, Mike Nellis, and Corey Mess were watching some videos on on him and how he throws so hard. He hits around ninety four miles an hour and has an excellent slider. Maybe can you talk about uh, the acquisition of Calvin Rayburn and what he brings to this team? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, Rayburn might be taller than all three of you guys put together. I just had to say that. <laughs> But uh, Rayburn's a good kid. I, I got a call on Rayburn uh, from Nick about maybe about three weeks ago. And uh, I drove down to Miami Shores and went and watched him throw a bullpen. And I, I know his college coach and one of his former college um, assistant coaches personally, and they all said nothing but dynamite things about the kid. He's a fantastic kid uh, in the clubhouse, in the community. But on the field, I saw him throw, and he's throwing three quarters, 92, 94 miles an hour with a wipeout slider and a really plus-plus changeup. And he's going to come in and really compete for us and do – and I know he's going to do one fantastic job for us. Um, you know, if you look at his numbers, he really doesn't strike many guys out, but he doesn't really walk anybody, and nobody really hits the ball pretty hard off of him. So, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to come in, and we're going to you know, we're gonna call his number quite often early on in the year. And, you know, just like I tell these guys, we want you to come in – do your thing, put, you know, put up your numbers and hopefully, you know, we can have you move on to an organization, you know, as, as soon as we can. And then, you know, what Hal and I do, you know, just from us doing our job, we, we've got a Rolodex of, you know, o- over 100, maybe 200 players that, you know, we can call and, and, and reload the gun and, and, and keep going and, and keep working and trying to guide this team to the playoffs this year. Well, and, and you just mentioned it, how how uh, these guys are, are, are really still trying to get to that next level. And uh, and a pitcher you had last year, Josh Blanco, uh, just had his contract bought by the uh, the Texas Rangers organization. Um, a, a great move for him. It's, it's disappointing for the champions to lose him. But you, you've got to be kind of proud as his pitching coach to see him uh, kind of moving on to that next level. Oh, I'm thrilled. I was in – when I was in Arizona this past uh, this past fall – uh, winter, I should say. Uh, I had a, uh, a scout that was out there from another major league organization was asking me, about, hey, do you have some big league talent? I said, well, I got three guys, and Blanco was one of them um, that are guys that, you know, can probably play in the big leagues for us. And um, I had Josh drove all the way from uh, from El Paso, and he came and he threw a bullpen and, you know, doing his Josh Blanco, who's 92, 94, 95. Um, and then Josh had set up some workouts for himself. Um just through his connections and you know we started making phone calls and calling scouts and before you know it he's not working his tail off and he's 93 96 miles an hour mm-hmm. and now he's with the Texas Rangers and I couldn't you know Hal and I couldn't be happier or prouder and you know and I'm I'm really proud that our first player that we had gotten signed was a was a pitcher you know so I know he's an extended right now and they're going to make a determination whether he's going to go to double a AA or triple a and uh you know I they signed him to a two-year contract. You don't really see that in the minor leagues, so they have a lot of faith in this kid, and and I hope he, you know, I hope he steps foot on a big league diamond uh, someday soon. Wow, that's pretty impressive to go right up to Double A or Triple A, especially with the Texas Rangers in the bullpen that they have. But that pretty much wraps it up, Billy. We really appreciate you coming on around the diamond. It was an awesome time, and we uh, look forward to seeing you uh, during spring training. It was uh, it was a real pleasure, man. 
Absolutely, guys. I'll be up there tomorrow, and uh, I'll be up there for the open tryout over at the ballpark, and I look forward to seeing you guys as well. That was Ottawa Champions pitching coach Billy Horn. We thank him so much for joining us here on Around the Diamond. But coming up next, Sportsnet's Shai Davidi will join us to talk about the Blue Jays' struggles and how the bullpen finally got a win. That's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music, and of course, home of every single Ottawa Champions baseball game. It's time to get to our biggest guest, brought to you by Sambat, the original Maple Bat Corporation, located outside of Ottawa, actually in Carleton Place. With that being said, let's welcome Sportsnet's Shai Davidi. How are you doing today? I'm very well. How are you, Dante? I'm doing very well. And Shai, um, just to start things off, you're obviously at the Dome, and, and how's everything going down down there? Well, you know, the, the Blue Jays are in, in a little better spirits today. They had the walk-off win last night against the Texas Rangers with the, the two home runs, the game-tying home run by Justin Smoke in the ninth, and then the winner in the tenth. And seems to ease the tension a little bit, but the Blue Jays aren't quite where they want to be right now. They're still not hitting the way they know they can. And I think until they start consistently putting up some big numbers, there will still be a little bit of tension for this team. For sure, and obviously, let's start off about the Blue Jays' most recent struggle, and that's been the bullpen so far. Bijiani got their first bullpen win of the season. Uh, maybe talk about their bullpen so far and, and why it struggled and, and what they need to do now to improve things uh, with getting the win last night. Well, the, the, there isn't a lot they can do right now and because, really, the Blue Jays need Brett Cecil and Drew Storen to be really good if they're going to be successful this year. And so far, they, both guys have been inconsistent. Now, the, the reasons for that are different. Drew Storen is getting a little bit of a drop in his velocity, and he's trying to, to regain his stuff and, and figure out what, what caused that. And Brett Cecil's been inconsistent with his curveball, and that's his bread and butter. And really, the Blue Jays have been in a position where they need to ride it out because those guys are so crucial. And when they've given opportunities to, to other relievers in key spots, it hasn't really worked out. So... Uh, this happens for teams from the Blue Jays' perspective. They're hoping that this is a blip as opposed to a season-long trend, uh, and only time will tell whether that's the case. Yeah, and that's Shai Davidi joining us here on Around the Diamond from Sportsnet.ca. And, of course, uh, Shai, speaking about the bullpen, it's been their most recent struggle over the last couple years. They go out and trade Ben Revere for a guy like Drew Storen, whose velocity has gone down a ton. I remember you. I used to watch him in Washington, and he used, and he used to hit 97. Now he's only hitting 92, 93. What's been the biggest uh, struggle for Storen so far uh, this season? Well, he's adjusting to a lot of different things. You know, he's in a new league, new team, new catcher new hitters, there's a lot of change. And there's been a bit of a drop in his velocity. Now, what's behind that, I'm not sure. Is he just needs to build up a little bit more? I don't know. And I think if the Blue Jays knew, they would be addressing it. But he's been tinkering a little bit with his delivery, trying to find ways to generate a little bit more power, a little bit more drive to maybe get that velocity up. And if the Blue Jays can get him back to where he needs to be, it's really important because you know, they're really feeling the absence of Aaron Sanchez in that bullpen and the way he's pitched in the rotation. It's been very important for them. And 
they need his innings in the rotation, but they thought Drew Storm would be able to fill those shoes in the bullpen. To this point, that hasn't happened. Shai Davidi here on Around the Diamond. And also, Shai, let's move back and talk about uh, the offense of the Blue Jays. Justin Smoke tied the game in the ninth and then tied, or sorry, uh, walked it off with a home run to uh, Opo Field, which is something you don't see from Smoke. Uh, he's more of a pole hitter. And of course, uh, Shai, maybe talk about the offense uh, of the Blue Jays. And of course, Justin Smoke, who, who needs to kind of jumpstart that with the loss of Colabello uh, last week. Sure. I mean, Justin Smoke has become an important guy for the Blue Jays, not just because of Chris Feldahl's suspension for a PED, but also because they they really want to ride him. And he's, as a switch hitter, he's a left-handed presence against righties that they need because they're so right-handed heavy. You know, they have Saunders, they have him, and they need that production against the tougher righties when, you know, the the right-handed bats might be a little bit shut down. So, He's had a very odd start to the season where, you know, there was a period he went through with a badge of a, of a thousand where he was either walking or striking out or, or getting a base hit, which was very unusual, but the power hadn't shown up. And, you know, he got the, first, the home, two home runs yesterday were his first two of the season. And that was a bit of a relief for him. But if he's a presence, it changes things for the Blue Jays because, you know, well, Dave Batista and Edwin Encarnacion have been slumping of late. Troy Tulowitzki's been slumping all year. Russ Martin's been struggling all year. And without all those guys going, the Blues is going to need some secondary offense to help uh, help carry the load while those guys figure it out. Yeah, for sure. And that's been uh, one of the biggest uh, things coming out of Blue Jays camp. And another thing here, maybe talk about... Um, how Marco Estrada has really rose to the occasion. A lot of people were kind of saying, oh, with the loss of Deion Navarro, he won't be kind of get to go with his personal catcher. But Estrada has pitched very well this season, as well as the starting rotation. And, you know, one of the interesting things is that Estrada at times hasn't had his best changeup or his curveball and his cutter the way that he had them last year. And he's had to work in different ways and, He's really he and Russell Martin have found ways to get the most out of his fastball in games when he hasn't had a secondary stuff, and really that's a sign of of a, of a starter really coming into his own when he's finding ways to win on days where he doesn't have his full repertoire, and he's able to to get out with uh, without in in the fashion that he normally doesn't get so. That, that's been a good adjustment. He's been really important. But the, the whole starting staff for the Blue Jays has been strong this season. It, you know, you, coming out of spring training, you wouldn't have predicted that that would be the top strength for the team to uh, one month in. You would have figured it was the offense. But it's really been the rotation that's carried this team. And eventually you would think that the Blue Jays are going to start hitting, hitting uh, to make up for some of their other flaws. That's Shadavidi joining us here on Around the Diamond. And one of the big things that's been going around in terms of fans, I've heard a lot of people, I guess, around the station or on Twitter and walking around the streets saying that it's getting annoying to hear that the season is still early and that uh, things got to turn around real quick. Uh, where do you stand on that uh, on that excuse that, or maybe that statement that's been said by most people in terms of how the Blue Jays have been playing? Well, it's not an excuse. It's just reality. It is still early in the season. You're you're not going to win a division in April and May or June, for that matter. You can certainly bury yourself, but the American League East has to separate it. And you have to remember that the Blue Jays, uh, at the beginning of June last year, were seven games under 500, and at one point they were seven or eight games back to the Yankees uh, 
at the beginning of August and they, they or late July, and they made up that ground in less than a month. So, you know, the, in the moment, it's easy to feel like a season is slipping away, but really it takes a long, long time for a baseball season to slip away because of how long the season is. Yeah, of course, with the disappointment of the fans, you got to think that people are kind of getting upset. Do you think that they maybe uh, overhype things at, in spring training and at the beginning of the season? I, I don't think so. I think you look at this team and they, they really should win the American League East. Now, certain guys haven't performed, certain guys have struggled, but we're a month and change into the season. You know, this is not a, a time to make any sort of meaningful evaluations because a lot of things change and teams, whether they're good or bad, uh, will always have a month where they're terrific, a month where they're terrible. And then it's what they do with the rest of the season that matters. I mean, look at the Kansas city Royals last year. You know, mm-hmm. if you looked at them in August, you would have thought, Oh my gosh, this team is terrible, mm-hmm. but they won the world series and were the class of the American league. Mm-hmm. So I think what gets lost and it's easy because fans are emotional, but, Baseball season takes place over a long, long, long period of time. And there are ebbs and flows within the course of 162 games that played over six months and that you have to ride it out a little bit. And, and you really don't have a real read on what your team is uh, until, you know, July, maybe even into August sometime. Yeah. And just to finish things off, uh, Shai, I, I want to ask you about your Baseball Writers Association uh, license, how you can kind of vote in uh, people into the Hall of Fame. And, of course, other guys, notable guys that do have that is Ken Rosenthal, Peter Gammons, uh, John Paul Morosi. Uh, these are some big names. So um, a question from the fans here that some people have been asking me to ask you is um, how, do you, how does that whole process work when voting for people uh, for the Hall of Fame and maybe for this year's ballot? Uh, who... Who's on your list? Well, uh, people who are baseball writers who work for uh, certain organizations, the criteria has changed uh, over, over the last year uh, to expand a little bit what the definition of a baseball writer is. But uh, you are eligible for membership within the Baseball Writers Association of America. And if you spend 10 years as a member of the BBWAA, to use the acronym, then you become a Hall of Fame. You become eligible to vote for the Hall of Fame. So I've uh, I've had a Hall of Fame vote for the past four years, I believe, and uh, I find it one of the most uh, difficult and stressful tasks that that you can have because you know you're deciding uh, on someone's place in uh, within the annals of baseball history, and you know there are all kinds of benefits and, and, and issues that arise out for, for the players that you're voting on. I mean, you can really change somebody's life, whether they're in or they're out. So there's a lot of responsibility with that, and it's uh, something I take very seriously. Yeah, for sure. It's obviously a great achievement to have that. And with that being said, we're going to wrap things up here on Around the Diamond. Shy, I appreciate you coming on the show. It was a real pleasure to talk uh, some baseball with you. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. That was Sportsnet Shy Davidi. Real pleasure having him on the show, and we look forward to maybe having him on later in the season. Now, next, uh, coming up next, Mike Nellis, myself, and Corey Mess will touch on uh, the, the recent champions moves and where we see the lineup shaping up. That's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9.
on CKDJ 107.9 Ottawa's new music. Once again, joined here in studio with Corey Mess and Mike Nellis. Uh, we're going to touch on some of the biggest champions moves and maybe break down their lineup and what we expect to see from the team this year. Uh, obviously, start off, Mike, uh, you said that it's going to be tough to see which infielders are going to be on the team and with the loss of Albert Cartwright, of course, being announced yesterday that he has been injured for four weeks. So, Mike, uh, oh. what are we going to see from the champions uh, this upcoming, uh, at least at the start of the season? Well, Cartwright actually did mention in the interview that he's not going to be out for four weeks. It'll be less than that. He just got off the phone with his doctor before we talked to him. So it'll be less than four weeks. I think he mentioned one to two weeks. So it'll be a quick, okay. quick yeah. recovery for Albert Cartwright, and we'll see him back. Um, but if there is that span at the beginning of the year where he isn't able to to play in the infield, yeah, there's going to be an, an interesting dynamic there because, um, well, right now the champions have five infielders signed, and um, Roberto Ramirez is also on the roster on the team website, but uh, he is uh, he is not signed a, a contract just yet for the upcoming year. So there's five signed infielders. Daniel Bick will be the shortstop. You've got Kenny Bryant, Albert Cartwright with Johnny Cole and Robert Garza. So. Um, you would expect to see uh, Cartwright at second, Bick at short, and then I guess either Johnny Cole or Kenny Bryant at first base with Garza playing third, I would assume. Well, the word around town is that we wouldn't see a rookie player starting, according to, because Hal Lanier's an old-style baseball player. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of what he said when we talked to Hal, you know, many of the times, is is that Garza would be a backup to Bick. Uh, in the shortstop role and maybe in the second base role. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I'm not sure who's going to play third base for this team right now. And uh, yeah. Well, and, and Mike, <laughs> I, I love to bring this up, but it seems like in preseason last year or after the first series last year when this team lost Willie Carmona, oh. they've been looking for a third baseman ever since, really. Um, uh, they, they cycled through a bunch of guys last year, uh, Matt Tanaglia, uh, Nick Jaraputo, who uh, who was traded uh, as part of the Kenny Bryant deal. Um, we saw Roberto Ramirez play a bit there. We saw Albert Cartwright a bit there. Um, so maybe this is, uh, maybe, I don't think they'll make too many moves before the season begins, but I could be, I, I, I would think this team is maybe still has their eye on, on a third baseman and maybe looking to bring a third baseman uh, into camp. No, and you're absolutely right. And, and and one of the things, too, last season was Nick Jeraputo was brought in to be a third baseman, but he has a bad shoulder. So he wasn't really able to play that position as effectively as he wanted to. Now, he was still able to do it, and he was still able to be a decent, effective third baseman, but not to the level that he has been in the past because he was a veteran for the New Jersey Jackals for a long, long time. And a lot of the time he would be DHing, he would be at first base, you know. So it was... It, you know, Jared Peter didn't have that power and he didn't have that throw from third that he would have liked to have, I don't think. Um, though he didn't make the third baseman um, that the champions were looking for. Again, this is completely out of his control. It's an injury problem, yes. right? And that's but, the thing. But now that, you, now that we are on the topic of uh, who might be in the infield this year, there's Robert Garza, Mike, who's going to be in camp fighting for a job. And we can maybe see him play third base. He looks like he has a pretty good arm. He's five foot ten. He throws right. So we could maybe see him at third base or because, uh, to be honest, I'm going to say that I really do like Roberto Ramirez on this team. He's a switch hitter. Uh, he can play a little second base and maybe third base if he has the arm for it, Mike. Well, and I know you mentioned, uh, Dante, that, you know, rookies are probably not going to start and Garza's a rookie and, you know, sure. But 
even last year, Daniel Beck came in as a true rookie. He, he didn't have any professional experience whatsoever and was the best shortstop in the league for pretty much almost the entire season um, that he was here. And you know what? That might be a bit of a, a biased observation on my part because of how much we saw Daniel Bick. You know, the Quebec Capitals had Jonathan Malo for a lot of the season playing third base and shortstop. They, they you know, there, there were other candidates for best shortstop in the league or best defensive infielder, but I think Daniel Bick was the guy. And he was a rookie. So, you know, Garza could be this next guy, but Honestly, like he has those stats, he has the ability to be that guy, and he has the potential for it. But you don't know how these guys are going to react to playing in in professional baseball. The hot corner is one of the hardest positions to play. And yeah. Corey, you know this firsthand uh, because I played there. No, uh, I'm just... I don't know why I know it firsthand, but um, the I mean, from seeing it last year. Question mark. Uh, yeah, <laughs> from from seeing it last year, I um, uh, the. Um, yeah, it was a, a very tough position for the champions to kind of nail down and, and find that uh, that third baseman to take him through the year. Like, uh, like uh, I'm interested to see what happens at second base because if Roberto Ramirez does come back to this team, that's his natural position. He was very good there last year. But then what do you do with Albert Cartwright? And so figuring out what to do with those two guys, uh, I know— you put him in the outfield uh, a little bit? Well, and, and Albert Cartwright is, is a, a, I think, um, only he has played a little more outfield— than than Roberto Ramirez, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Albert Cartwright get some outfield time, um, but but I would be interested to see what they would do because I think you would want both of those guys in your lineup. Um, you do both- want them in, but it, it, the outfield is very thin at this point. There's three guys, and and we we've talked to how Brian Van Kirk is known for his bat. He's going to play left field. They're going to move Helms from left to center slash right field to kind of maybe give Boucher a day off mm-hmm. or something like that, according to to what Hal said a couple weeks ago. So it's definitely a tough spot. The infield is a, is a big question mark, which gives us more to talk about, right, Mike? Yes. and <laughs> but, but the thing with that is that independent baseball, we knew this, we, we saw this last year, Corey. How many players from the team at the beginning of the season were gone by July? I, like honestly, it was probably half the roster, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the nature of independent baseball. That's the way that it is. So it's hard to get a team to gel together, right? Well, Mike? it well, yeah, th- that's one point. But the point that I'm trying to make is that this team is not the team we're going to see for the majority of this season. Ah. This is the team that's there right now, and we can talk about it. But yeah, sure, the outfield's thin right now, and oh yeah, well maybe Cartwright will play a, a, in there, or maybe Kenny Bryant will get a, a, a game in the outfield while Johnny Cole plays first or something like that. But uh, the fact of the matter is how Lanier could go out two weeks into the season and sign an outfielder that gets cut from a team. Yeah, he has Nick you know? Belmonte yeah, and all exactly. those guys, right? Yeah, Nick Belmonte, the director of player procurement for the Ottawa Champions, uh, is, a, is a real professional, and he's a guy that can go out there and, and get guys like that. So, no, for sure, it's, uh, it's definitely a situation that you're going to see change. Uh, Mike, just a, a quick question. Who would you have at, at second base um, if you had your druthers uh, between Cartwright and Ramirez? Uh, because I, 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 it's tough, right? When you look at them, uh, uh, Cartwright had the best average on the team last year. But I think we all agreed that there might not have been a more consistent player on the Ottawa Champions last year than Roberto Ramirez. So if you had to pick one to play first and move the other somewhere else, uh, what would you do with them? Because personally... I would probably go Ramirez at second, Cartwright at third. Just from what we saw last year, Cartwright seemed a little more comfortable at third uh, than the two of those guys, or put Cartwright in the outfield. 
Well, and the thing this year is is the champions don't have Matt Tanaglia anymore to kind of bridge that gap and, and, and play a couple games at third base, or, or and they don't have Nick Jaraputo as well. So uh, the, the big the big thing is, is you know, it, it, say Ramirez does sign and come back. Well, one of these guys is going to have to play uh, at third. One of these guys is going to have to play at second. But I honestly agree with you. I would like to see Roberto Ramirez at second in, in an ideal world. I, I think that's where I'd like to see him. And uh, Albert Cartwright at third is—it's not his natural position. Y- you know what? I—I I don't want to say you can tell that it's not his natural position because that would be insinuating that he was bad. He wasn't bad. He was good, um, and he really improved as the year went on. So I think he's a suitable third baseman. He's a guy you want in the infield, and he's a guy you want in the lineup as well. So um, yeah, I—I I, I would agree with you and say Cartwright at third, Ramirez at second is uh, my ideal. Uh, infield, well, not the entire infield lineup, but for those two uh, certain positions. Well, and it's nothing against Cartwright either, because I, I think the reason why we're saying this is because Cartwright is the one who I think could move over a little more. I have less faith in Ramirez going to another position rather than Cartwright. So uh, it's just that he's more versatile is the reason we have him as kind of the odd one out here. But I still think he should be in the uh, in the batting lineup every day. Absolutely, and it's kind of weird to know that there's so many people competing for that second base job, especially with <laughs> Diamond Dante going to open tryouts in a, in, a, in this week, you know? So why why are there so many second basemen? Do you think I can play the hot corner maybe? Yeah, I think they're going to they're gonna try out in right field. Um, oh, know, I got a cannon. The, well, with the, with the Curtis Winder retirement recently, you know, <laughs> Brian Van Kirk's going to need some days off. Diamond Dante in right field. How about well, that, Corey? I'll, listen, uh, Mikey, I'll be, uh, I'll be busy uh, bringing out the tarp and stuff like that, so it's going to be fun. But uh, <laughs> that wraps up this show. Thank you. We thank all of our guests who came on, Kenny Bryant, Billy Horn, and Sportsnet Shy Davidi for coming on this show. Mike, Corey, it was a real pleasure. Oh, it was uh, it was great to be here once again. We are a week away from spring training, or or, or uh, I guess I guess now insider info. We are not recording this live, uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, spring training just a couple days away. Couple days away, and uh, yeah, next weekend at this time, the champions will be in the rural areas of Quebec playing their uh, first exhibition games of the year. So it's an exciting time. It's going to be exciting, and obviously, you can pick up your tickets at the RCGT box office that's over just off the 417 highway. And uh, that wraps things up here for Around the Diamond. Tune in next Saturday. You can follow myself on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante for all updates on guests coming on the show you can follow mike nellis on twitter uh for all updates going on the on the uh the ottawa champions that's nellis 96 96 96 close enough always get that wrong and you can also follow Corey on twitter at former inside man that wraps things up for around the diamond tune in next saturday at five for more big guests 